Steve Linsmeyer will join us today. We'll talk some GPAC basketball, mix in a little bit of North Star, and just a bit about covering small college basketball in North Dakota. Join us in 30 seconds. Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. Join us on Twitter at Cascade Hoop Talk. We're here today with Steve Linsmeyer. He's familiar with the North Dakota sports scene and the NAI and the GPAC. He's been around it for several years. He covers Jamestown Jimmy's basketball. In fact, he's the voice of the Jamestown Jimmy's, but he also covers some high school basketball back there. So welcome, Steve. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you're a, a veteran of Minnesota. How did you end up covering sports in North Dakota? Well, that's a, that's an interesting question because uh, I actually wasn't going to even apply for this job. And then at the last minute, I was like, I'll just send in my resume and see what happens. And um, within 45 minutes, I had an interview scheduled for Monday, and I got the job that day and moved out here two weeks later. So it was uh, it was kind of a whirlwind. But uh, I'll tell you what, becoming it, uh, you know, in, in part of the Jamestown community has been um just an awesome experience for me and uh, getting to to travel with the jimmies and be on the road with them and um, get to know the athletes and the coaches has been uh one of the uh one of the great things in my life so i'm very very blessed to have the job that i have right now you know steve each year the gpac has been a larger and larger piece of the national conversation in the naia describe the changes and growth that you've seen with this conference well, obviously, I've, you know, from the last handful of years, I've watched it from a distance, but we've played a ton of these schools. We played Morningside and Briarcliff and Northwestern and Dort. We played them all pretty consistently, Dakota Wesleyan in there, too, that we've played pretty much year in and year out, you know, maybe a couple off years here and there. But um, so I've kind of watched the GPAC from a distance, but now actually being a part of it on a week to week basis. You know, seeing this basketball, the the grind that it is for these teams to prepare for, to you know be ready to play, it's it's tough. And I'll tell you what, what the what our men's basketball team did last year was was extremely impressive because this league is so so good. Um, and honestly, I think it's getting better. And you and I have kind of chatted about this a little bit off the air, Bill. Is that it just continues to get better and better. And I think this year, I think you've got five to seven teams that are going to have a legitimate case by the end of the season to be a national tournament team, depending on how things all shake out. So uh, it's, it's going to be a, an absolute grind this year with a, a very, very deep and very top heavy con- well, I shouldn't say top heavy, just very good conference with a couple teams at the top that probably have aspirations to win a national championship. Yeah, the GPAC is going to be interesting because, at least on my view, there's the 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 three teams: Morningside, Dakota Wesleyan, and Jamestown. Uh, they're all fighting for king of the hill, if you will. But then, when you go through the conference, Concordia, Dort, Northwestern, I mean, they're all going to be very good. Concordia, I don't think graduates anybody. Yeah, there, there's going to be some some really good teams at the top that that have a chance to uh, to make deep runs in the national tournament. I think obviously those three teams you mentioned. Are, are definitely going to be the, the ones that everybody's looking at from the outside. But, you know, you look at a team like Dort, and Garrett Franken is an absolute monster. He's going to have a huge year. He's only a junior. Uh, I put him on as a, as a guy that's going to be, you know, a first-team GPAC guy, a, a, you know, first or second-team All-American type player um, for Dort. And they bring a lot of their guys back as well from last year. And they just – they're going to – take that next step i would think to kind of get into that upper echelon of the g-pack but those three teams morningside hardly loses anybody 
I mean, they've got they've got Tyler Borchers back. They've got Trey Brown back. They, I mean, they've got that front line is as good as you know any in the country. So you look at them and you think, obviously, they're gonna maybe I don't know whenever we do see the uh, the preseason poll, if they're gonna be pretty much maybe one A. But after that, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a real battle. And Dakota Wesleyan, I mean, Ty Hoagland is arguably one of the most talented basketball players I've ever seen on a night-to-night basis. I mean, just what he does you know, all over the court and, and he's a scorer like there aren't many in the country. So it just, it's, it's, so it's going to be such a fun year and I'm excited to see what it brings because there's some teams at the top that have a chance to do some really special things this year. Well, just as an example, just to show the depth of that conference, you mentioned Dort. So they went 10 and 10 last year, 19 and 13. And they did graduate Alec, Alec Hendrickson. But they're bringing back one, two, three, four, five, five players from last year that all averaged over 10 points a game. And as you said, they're, they're led there by Garrett Frank and Big 6-7 out of Atlantic, Iowa. And, you know, this is a middle-of-the-pack team. Yeah, I know. I know. When we played Hastings in the first round of the G-Pack tournament, talking with Danny Neville about that matchup, he's like, I can't believe this is a 17. And we haven't even touched on Hastings yet. And I mean, they were the they were the seven seed last year, and and that's just how good this conference is. And you know, Dort going ten and ten, they probably you know unfortunately didn't get a chance to go to the national tournament because of how good our league was, and everybody beats up on each other. But if they're in a situation where you know they're maybe not playing as tough competition night in and night out, they probably are a national tournament caliber team you know, just from last year, let alone what they're going to bring back for 2019-20. So there's, there is just so much depth in this conference, so many good players that, um, that just challenge teams defensively. And um, it's, it's just, I, I love being a part of it, Bill. I mean, just the first year that we got to kind of experience this was, was incredible. And I'm looking forward to the future. Well, one more team you have to talk about there. They're not getting a lot of attention right now. They were 7-13 and 13 last year in conference, Concordia. I will tell folks right now, if you live in Seward, Nebraska, go buy a season ticket. They didn't graduate anybody. They've got Bevan Sloop. Well, uh, actually, I didn't, for the way my schedule worked, I didn't get to see Concordia last year. It's just kind of the way it, the way it fell. I didn't get to go to Seward, or when they came to Jamestown, I just didn't get a chance to, to call that game. So, I'm not as familiar with uh, with Concordia as I am with some of the other teams, but but you're right. I mean, this is a team that kind of you know crept its way into the conversation towards the end of the year. I think they finished strong, if I remember correctly, uh, with how things were going at the end. So they're a team that you've got to you've got to put uh, that's definitely on the rise moving forward. Yeah, they'll be led by uh, Brevin Scoop and Tanner Shock. And if I mispronounce the names, I apologize. But they both big their stat line. They had a big stat line last year both of them they'll be seniors and then northwestern i mean they're a perennial power you can't count them out of the picture either yeah north i'm a little interested to see what northwestern looks like i thought i mean they were a team last year that i felt just wasn't maybe that that sort i mean they got the, i think they got the five season conference tournament but i just never really was buying into them in the in the top half i guess of the g-pack and and the two times i saw them jamestown handled them you know, pretty well. So maybe I just didn't get a good feel for, for Northwestern, but they're a team that's obviously very talented. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I just, I kind of felt like they were in that next tier. So I'm going to be interested to see what they bring back here uh, for the new season. 
Yeah, that's they were eleven and nine last year, and I think right now until they play, they're a little bit of an unknown. They did lose Parker Mulder, uh, twelve points a game, hundred and twenty four assists, but they still have their leading scorer Trent Hillbrand out of uh, Remsen, Iowa. Well, and the thing that the thing that always you know impressed me about Northwestern is their ability to play any style. They're they're a very adaptable team with uh, with what they've got. Um, you know, the, the personnel they have makes it very easy to kind of, you know, play fast or to slow it down. That's what I was always sort of impressed with with Northwestern. You know, as we go through these teams, you know, like Northwestern, Orange City, Iowa, Crete, Nebraska, Sioux City, Iowa, up there in North Dakota as well. This conference is spread all over the, the, uh, the plains there. It is, and I'm actually sitting in Crete, Nebraska right now. This was my... This was the last stop on my GPAC road trip punch card. I had never been uh, to Doan, but uh, here I'm in Crete right now, waiting for the football game, and uh, so this is a, this is a this is a lot of travel for the Jimmies. I mean, they they travel quite a bit throughout the uh, the Upper Midwest to get to these games, but um, there is some great cities in the GPAC for sure, and uh, it's been fun to get to kind of experience the uh, the Upper Midwest. Yeah, I spoke to a couple of uh, Cascade Conference coaches and. You know, they describe those bus trips, a lot of them eight, nine hours over the mountains. And then in the plains there, you obviously have the heavy winters to deal with as well. And actually, uh, North Dakota is completely shut down right now as, as when we're doing this interview because it's we have a huge snowstorm blowing through there. And uh, I'm very happy that uh, I'm in sunny Crete, Nebraska right now. <laughs> so Jamestown has a recruit, North Dakota's Mr. Basketball, Gatorade Player of the Year. Um, a young man I think you're familiar with, Mason Walters, from right there in Jamestown. Can you talk about him just for a moment? Well, I always joke that uh, that we got Mason Walters on a hometown discount, and I think that's probably uh, <laughs> the, the only way to describe it because this is a dude that his future is extremely bright, and he's going to be terrorizing GPAC defenses for, for many, many years. And it's um, he's a guy that's, that's 6'8", He's long. He's athletic. I think he's going to play a little bit of the four this year. I mean, you got Brock Schramm and Brady Birch kind of ahead of him at the five, two guys that uh, that had extremely good years a year ago. So he's going to play the the four a little bit this year, but um, he's athletic enough to do it, and he can shoot the three a little bit, which uh, it's hard to it's hard to wear the orange and black and not be able to shoot the three with how Danny Devil likes to play. And um, they're they're got a guy here in uh, in Mason Walters that. His, I mean, he had a dominant high school season. I mean, second most points all time in Jamestown high school history. Uh, actually, lost that uh, that title to his teammate, who was a junior, who set the record. So we had the first and second all time single season scoring records set in the same year uh, at Jamestown High this year. So there's two guys that um, that were really fun to watch, and, and Mason really blossomed as a senior and. You look at the way he played down the stretch for Jamestown and just doing so many things, blocking shots. He had 22 rebounds in the state quarterfinals. Um, he, he does it all, and that's what uh, is, I think, the best thing about Walters, and that he's a team-first guy. He, he's not a guy that uh, if he doesn't score his points, he's going to be depressed. If his team wins and, you know, and he didn't uh, have a good night, well, that's just the way it goes, and we move on to the next game, and he's happy for everybody else's success. So I... I really have, and I tell people this all the time. I am very—I feel very fortunate that I get a front row seat to the next four years of Mason Walters because um, I've watched the last three, and they were pretty dang special. And I'm excited to see the next four. 
Well, I bet people there in Jamestown are excited to see the, the hometown boy to continue there at Jamestown, and he's probably going to put a lot of, lot of butts in seats, I would imagine. Oh, for sure, and we had it the last uh, couple years on the women's side of things. We had a couple Jamestown high girls that uh, that transferred over to the uh, to the to University of Jamestown and had some good careers. And you definitely saw people in the stands that you maybe haven't seen since. That like, oh, I'm gonna go watch the you know the Jamestown kids play, and you know, so he's gonna he's gonna bring some people in, and uh, there's no doubt about that. NAI basketball, you and I have talked about this, is probably the most underrated entertainment value in the nation. About 15 or 20 years ago, a lot, there was a, a large flea of many NAI teams went to NC2A Division III. NC2A Division III is no scholarship basketball, which opened up uh, you know a lot of athletes who would have gone somewhere else to go play NAI because just as many athletes as before, but far fewer scholarships. So the growth of the NAI has been amazing in the talent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. And, and I grew up in Minnesota, so we, the Minnesota does not have an NAI school in the state anymore. And so I was not familiar with NAI basketball. And then I went from, you know, from uh, growing up in Minnesota, I went to call games in the WIAC, which is a D3 conference in Wisconsin. So I had very little exposure to the NAI before coming to Jamestown in 2011. And I have been blown away by the talent level. And it just keeps getting deeper, like you said. And, you know, we're seeing now a little bit in the change here, especially in the upper Midwest of – because when I was in high school – you couldn't have, you know, coach contact throughout the summer. Well, now you can pretty much be with your high school athletes all year round, and that helps development. And so really I would say there's even more athletes that are that are thinking, you know, college basketball is an option for them. Mm-hmm. So, so then you get to even – you add more athletes on top of that other than the fact that you just have, you know, fewer scholarships. So it's, it's continuing to grow, and I think uh, the NAI is in a really good spot right now, and it's – it's getting to the point where it doesn't maybe, you know, some of the top teams, you know, would probably do pretty well in D2, but it's getting to the point where, you know, it's there's not much of a – there's not as solid of a line, I should say, between D2 and NAI. The line's getting blurred a little bit. No, definitely. And you're, you're talking about divisions there. You know, the NAI is scheduled to go to back to one division next year. There's probably more questions than answers about that right now. But that's going to change the, the landscape, isn't it? You know, I, I unfortunately, I think it is going to change the landscape. It's certainly going to change the postseason play. And that's going to be something that is going to be interesting to see. You're going to have, I think, 16 pods of four teams playing around the country to go to one final site, the men's tournament in Kansas City, the women's tournament in Sioux City, where you know you have a 16-team final site. So that's going to be the, the biggest difference. But the other difference is you're going to see a, a change in scholarships. I think it's going from 11 on the D1 side to 7, and then from 4 to 7 on the on the D2 side, if I, if I remember correctly. So you're going to see a little bit of a difference, and I'm a little worried that it's going to kind of turn into what baseball has turned into with – kind of you have to have so many D1 kickbacks to be a national championship type team because in baseball I mean that's that's what you're seeing night in and night out or year in year out I should say of these teams winning the national championships with all these D1 players so it, I'm a little bit interested to see how it uh, how it shakes out but uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be okay I'm I guess I was comfortable with where it was and didn't really have a, a too big of a opinion one way or the other but it'll be interesting to see what happens because it's going to be different 
Well, one thing I'm personally disappointed of is not having the one large tournament because it's such a great opportunity to get to know athletes and parents and coaches from all around the nation all in one spot. And I, I've always enjoyed that. There's nothing like the NAIA Division II tournaments, whether you're talking the men or the women. I mean, it's I've had a chance to spend a lot of time in Sioux City because our women had you know, a run there of seven straight years where they made the national tournament. So I spent a lot of time in Sioux City, and there's really nothing like that. And then, of course, last year I was in Sioux Falls for the men's tournament. And, you know, it's just a – it's such a cool atmosphere around these tournaments that you just can't replicate. So I'm hoping that uh, that we see that same sort of thing. But I think getting away from the, those two days where you have – Eight or three days. You have Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where you've got eight games being played back to back. I mean, that's mm-hmm. and it's all good basketball. I mean, I, after the Jimmys won last year on Wednesday, I was literally posted up at the end of the media table for the next forty-eight hours watching games. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, that's just something you're not going to have anymore, which I think is unfortunate. But I guess uh, we'll see. And I don't get paid to make these decisions; <laughs> somebody else does. <laughs> Well, regardless of the tournament format, we know that the NAIA basketball will continue to be quality basketball. And if you have a NAIA school in your hometown, go down and buy season tickets. Again, it's the best entertainment value in the nation. It's less than a weekend trip. A pair of season tickets is less than a weekend trip with your family, and you're going to be entertained the entire winter. So get out there and Absolutely. buy those season and support these student athletes. Absolutely. There's nothing like it. And I'm, I'm blessed to be in the position that I am to watch these athletes night in and night out. Well, Steve, it was great to have you on. I really enjoyed the show. I hope you sir, get back to North Dakota okay. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens Saturday night getting us back. Well, we look forward for that GPAC to start. You and I are going to talk about perhaps doing uh, more of a regular basis update on the G- GPAC and maybe the North Star. So we'll talk further about that. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Anything that we can do to Shine some light on the NAI basketball I'm all about. Well, Steve Linsmeyer, voice of the Jamestown Jimmies, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. No problem, Bill. Anytime.